Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I'm Justin Michael doing my best William Shatner. We're lucky to be here because of 10bound.com and the powers that be and Dave Delaney. I have on the show today, Sean Finder, who is the sales GM of AutoClose with a K. Did I get it right? You did, Justin. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you here. We have a bunch of XDRs, you know, 31 flavors of outbound folks. We'd love your take on it. AutoClose, does this mean that you are automatically getting us business. We'd love to learn more about the tech. Yeah. So AutoClose is a sales automation platform with a built-in B2B database. So it, let, it allows sales reps to fill that top of the sales funnel and then automate those drip campaigns to obviously try and get them to close that deal at some point. Well, that's a brilliant idea. Do you think we're going to have artificial intelligence and machine learning that gets to the level where it can completely replace an SDR? I know I'm, I'm going to throw this $64 million question. Yeah, I don't. I think everyone's been talking about it for years, but at the end of the day, there's nothing like personalization. There's nothing like, you know, putting a face to the name and actually reaching out to somebody. I mean, I think you'll be able to automate a, a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, if you really want to get that business as an SDR, I think the personalization is what's going to get it. Yeah. So I've talked a lot about these themes, personalization, relevance, timing. If you just personalize, but don't get the business case, do you give some tips to how you're making digital successful? Because I know Jeremy Donovan sales loft when the pandemic first hit, it was like reply rates were down by 35%. But folks like you and myself are so deep in the weeds, we're adjusting the email, targeting their personas. Like how did you adapt to that? And, and what do you see still working? Well, so, well, first off, I always, I thought, you know, one thing people were making mistakes on, they, they rely on email campaigns for them by itself, where I think nowadays you have to do at least two to three channels to be successful in any outbound. So with those emails, though, I think the reply rates are because people are so used to sending emails with long subject lines, for example, but now people are, you know, reading more subject lines and opening emails from their mobile, where two to three words, four words max is all you should be writing in the subject line. If you're writing more than that, well, guess what? Your prospect is actually not seeing it. And even with the, the body paragraph, it was very, people were writing salesy long emails where I always tell people like you know, 50 words, 75 words max. And uh, don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about anything about your product. Just go into a pain or a challenge they might be facing and you'll have a lot better results. Yeah, that jives with my research too. I read some stuff on Jeremy Donovan where it's like a 25 word email, but I think we see this with all the texting platforms from TikTok to Snap, Facebook Messenger, just text messaging, WhatsApp, kind of goes forever. And then we go to write these emails to get a six-figure deal. And we go, let's do three expository paragraphs. I never <laughs> yeah, it, it's marketing uh, to, to let sales do that and get out of salesware or savvy marketers, are they beginning to understand this too? How, how are you getting the marketing folks on board for your clients to send that kind of email? 
Yeah, well, you know, what we've been doing really is we have our newsletter, which is like our long email, but our newsletter is all about different blogs, webinars, we're stuff, podcasts, recordings. But we have marketing, when they're sending the emails, it's almost very similar to a sales email. It's very short to the point where if we're going industry specific, we're trying to hit them with that challenge they might be facing in that industry. So our marketing team is always looking and doing their due diligence on what exactly can I dissect about that industry and then putting that into the messaging of the email. And it's the same thing our sales team is doing. You know, in that first three seconds of that email, if you can't hit them with a challenge, they're probably not going to read, as you said, those three, four paragraphs that are in that email sequence. Yeah, I've gotten forensic on this. I mean, you get 18 words on an iPhone between the preview text and the first line. And I saw <laughs> Dave Gerhardt. He's like, here's a trick. First sentence, second sentence. The purpose of the first second sentence is to get to the second. I learned that in journalism in high school. Yeah. And yeah. he's still right because we do, we do this hope, we're doing, hope you're doing well or, you know, in these uncertain times. Oh. We just waste the hook. And do you have to be polite when you first meet someone in an email or can you get to the point? I hate when I see an email that says, Hi, my name is Sean Finder. I'm the CEO of Autoclose. I'm reaching out to you because, well, you already emailed me. So, you know, hey, Sean, it's Sean at Autoclose.com. In your email address, I know your first name and your company. So why are you repeating yourself? I, I absolutely hate when reps introduce themselves because it's the first thing I'm thinking is this is a cold email where you want to make it sound like it's not a cold email. It's a personalized email. It's so funny because I'm reading the book behind you. I think that's essentialism. If I'm not wrong, one of the things. Yeah, so I'm reading that right now. And the one thing in essentialism and the Pareto principle and Tim Ferriss, it's all screaming at us to say, you know, 80% of what we're doing is not as effective as the 20. And yeah. I'm really taking this to outbound. How are you How are you being efficient? You know, because this is the hard thing. Everyone's personalizing at scale. It takes a lot of time to apply these systems and to get good at them. I've seen SDRs get super good at the systems. Is it overkill? Are they doing too much research? How do you find a sweet spot in your organization? Well, so what we've done is, you know, the number one tool in the world where every person is, is LinkedIn. So in any email sequence that we do, if we have emails, we're personalizing it, we are adding them on LinkedIn. We're trying to get to know that person because there's, you know, there's no other place that you can go and you can email something and connect with them on LinkedIn. You can comment on their post and really engage. Now, you know, if you're looking for, as you said, a six-figure deal, it's not going to happen with a snap of your fingers. you got to do a little bit of work, but that's why I like combining both the email channel and the social channel. The social channel is only getting bigger. You need to be on LinkedIn, reaching out and connecting and engaging with your prospects because then you're more likely to actually reply to that email you send them on that second, third, fourth attempt. Okay, so that's a really good strategy. Tell me about the future. Like, where are you going on your product roadmap? If you can talk about it, if you can't, because there's going to be so much sales technology coming. Yeah, um, I've seen the you know average rep is going from something like five hundred a month to a thousand a month. I even have I've heard of stacks where you get like a connect and sell in there and some of these power dialers, and you can get up to two thousand or five thousand per month for rep. Now, if you think of like one marketing event, like a happy hour, a wine tasting, it's you know ten G's. But for some reason. When you talk about getting sales tools for sales reps, 100 bucks a month, we could never do that. You know, why is sales the most in need of, of, of tech and automation? And then there's the, the most sort of consternation over spending money per rep. Why is that? So, well, first off, I think, you know, where we're going, and I just talked about this an hour ago, is reps need things consolidated. Tools, there's too many tools, there's too many CRMs, marketing automation, sales automations, connect. There's so many different tools. And if you want a sales rep to be efficient, you need to find a tool that consolidates, as a leader, that consolidates a lot of those tools into one. Personally, what we do is we, we send emails and we use LinkedIn. We actually don't do many cold calls at all at our company. We find that LinkedIn is a great tool. We engage, we, we get involved in conversations, um, and then we put them through sequences. 
But if you want to really go at scale, I do agree with you, Justin, that, you know, you need those connecting cells, you need those dollars. But at the end of the day, I mean, you just have to be able to combine at least two channels, potentially three channels to be successful. So, yeah, so I'm in a huge agreement with your methods because I found during the pandemic, if you'll add the phone in strategic ways across the funnel, that it really helps. So what are your preferred mix of channels? And can you talk about any shifts that you've made in the approach? It's different for every customer, but for me, I've taken sequences that weren't working and just added phone every 48 hours, 24 hours, and those phone touches unlock the sequence. So is it similar for you? Are you doing video drops? Are you doing vineyard type stuff? What's, what's cracking? Because people on the phone, they need concrete advice. You know, some of them have stopped setting. I see it a lot. Quota is higher for some reason. Yeah, great question. So we obviously are, we use our own tool autoclose. We would use, you know, LinkedIn definitely and Vidyard. We actually, uh, you know, uh, many of our SDRs are actually out of Europe. So the English is a second language, sometimes can be a barrier for the calling. So they've been really successful. We give them a quota of 16 demos a month they have to bring. Each person has to bring 16 demos a month. And they do it through video, through through email, with, with, with auto close, and then through LinkedIn. And they combine all three. So they might do an email in the morning and, you know, a video in sequence number two. Then in between there, they might add them as a connection. And then they'll do some touches like like, endorse, um, comment and different things on LinkedIn. But you know what you want to do is you want to do those tangible things where you're emailing and those intangible things where you can do something on LinkedIn and it shows up on their newsfeed that, you know, Justin Michael just commented on your post. Justin Michael just liked your this. Justin Michael just shared your blog. And that's kind of how we've been work- working with our SDRs. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Talk to me about sales development advancement. I mean, people get pigeonholed in this role, sales developers, they're very good at that. And they often want to become an AE, but then they don't have the closing experience. How do you handle that internally with your own organization? And what advice do you have for folks like who want to get to where you are in their career, be an entrepreneur, be a GM, really advance in B2B sales? It seems like people get stuck. That's a great question. You know, it was something, it was one of my biggest flaws early on was not looking at the the personal roadmaps of my employees. I didn't spend enough time thinking what is their personal growth and where and how can I help them get there? Because at some point, you know, things get stagnant, they get stale, they, you know, they get, they don't want to do the SDRs anymore. So for example, the way we've been, we've, we've structured ours is we have the SDRs come in, they start as an SDR. Then they have to go from an SDR to an SDR team lead. One person goes to the team lead. When they go to the team lead, the next thing they're gonna do is go into customer success. And we had one of our SDR team leads that go, well, I don't want to go into, I want to go, I want to be an AE. And I said, well, you're going to be customer success first, because when you become customer success, you can now hear all the different questions the clients and prospects are going to ask you on the phone when you become more of an account executive or even a closer for us. So there's four steps to get there. And each one takes at least three to six months, but you have to become a team lead SDR and train that team before you can go to customer success, before you can go to an AE and before you can become that closer. That's great that you've thought that through. I often see SDRs leaving companies to become an AE yep. or you know, finding that they're stuck. Cold call, it's hard. It, like, contact rates are down. If you call in the enterprise 100 times, you might get four or five executive assistants. If yep. you have a, maybe a data source like Elite IQ that's cell phone focused or sales intel, and I, I know all the, all the data sources now have cell phone data, but do you use power dialers? Do you like, like talk to me about the tech stacks you're looking at digital tech stacks, video tech stacks. Um, Are you doing anything around intent? Like I wrote a whole book about this, but 10 bound has a whole map and you could see there's a couple hundred. It's starting to get really big. (laughs) I think you're in it probably. You're in the map. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we we were in the map, but to be honest, we, we don't do any calls. We do all digital. One thing that I know where the industry is going is more multi-channel. 
we were focused on email. The, the industry is going more multi-channel, which is part of why we did the strategic acquisition. We just got acquired by VanillaSoft because they focus on the dialer, the SMS, the VoIP, and that stuff. Uh, so I do think it is very important, but it was one thing we were missing, which is why we kind of made this pivot. Because nowadays, as I said, you know, have to rely on different channels. Um, what's successful for us is the, the LinkedIn and email combination. What is a way to structure a message on LinkedIn? I get pretty tactical on the show, I know. So <laughs> I don't know if it's irritating. No we could talk philosophy, but the question is when you send a message in an email sequencer, is the LinkedIn happening in parallel? Is one informing the other? Is it identical? Does it matter? I mean, these are the kind of questions I get ad nauseum. Yeah. I have my own opinions, but love hearing from someone like you who's, I could safely say you've probably sent a million emails, not yourself. <laughs> you've been in hovercraft mode over a million sending. Yeah. That's very rare. So do you have a trend there that you can call out? We do. So on LinkedIn, the number one thing we do is, you know, to sales and sales email, don't go with a salesy approach. You have to, on LinkedIn, your relationship are going to be, um, it has to be a win-win. So, you know, a message, for example, I might say might be something like, you know, hey, Justin, I, uh, I just read your book on dot, 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 dot. I look forward to connecting to share ideas and networks. So what am I doing? I'm saying, A, I know you wrote a book. B, I'm not only going to use you to hopefully buy my product, but I want to share networks with you and share comments with you, et cetera. So I make it more of if I was going out for coffee with somebody, then, hey, you know, Justin, I'd love to uh, connect. I sent you an email yesterday. You didn't reply kind of kind of wording. Yeah, that makes sense. I've so My answer is I've found that you kind of can parallel process. You can combine them. They can be asynchronous. But like you said about I think relevance and personalization get mixed together. I think you have to have yeah. some business reason. It's also cool if you went to the same school or if you both love 100% Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones alone, I don't think it's going to get a deal done right now <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. One thing that has worked in the past is sporting events. So for example, Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I have my SDRs drilling anyone that's in Kansas City and talking. The first subject line is about the Kansas City Chiefs because it puts people in a, a positive mindset. So we do like to use sports analogies in our prospecting as well. So I have seen like Roll Tide or messages that are focused on an alumni pitch, open meetings. I almost suggested someone build a software that maps all the college mascots and like auto drops it. <laughs> um, for people that really know college sports and are yes. super competitive, it's fun. If you really know it, like you know the players, you know their stats, you know the specific games, like you could... You could find alums of Duke and get a game going or a championship and you could get meetings just off of the passion for that game. Because I don't know sports that deep. It's hard for me to leverage it like that. You certainly can't do that in a light way, right? So there's a fanaticism there that does really work. I'll admit to that. It does. Yeah. But I mean, for example, we had a call last week and it was NC State University. And all I did was for five minutes, I just checked to see how the college football team did on the Saturday for my Monday meeting. I said, oh, you had a big win over Duke, 45-31. And it just, even though it's just a quick one-liner, it puts people in that positive mindset. Oh, well, he's done a little bit of research. You know, he knows the football team. I'm very, because everyone loves their college football in, in the U.S. Wow. So talk to me about mindset. A lot of the folks on the phone, it's very repetitive what we do. And of course, we hope the promise of machine learning and AI are the mechanical manual parts of our jobs will get offset, you know, but we're not there yet. So how do you yeah. do something repetitive and process focused and keep people fired up to keep going? How do you refresh and reimagine these campaigns where you've been banging away at it for months? So we try and make it fun with, you know, yeah. incentives. We give a lot of incentives to our team. So for example, there could be some sort of, you know, December gift for end of year offer, 
on how, you know, how many people you can close or how many demos you can do. So we try and keep it like that. We always try and change things up. We're always, you know, one thing I learned is not you always got to be testing and you always got to be changing things up to see, because even though you think something might really work until you test against other stuff, there might be something else that works. So I know our SDRs are always, always changing our sequences, always changing it, trying something different as a subject line, trying something new, because if you don't get creative and try something new, you'll get so accustomed to doing the same thing and you'll end up getting the same results. Yeah, that's the definition of insanity. It's, it's this catch-22 because you want to make sure you have scientific controls. What I love yeah. is the new modern automation system, the sales engagement platforms, you can do a, a split test, keep the content of the first message the same and just test a bunch of subject lines. Then exactly. you can test a bunch of first lines, different CTAs. And then there's always gong research and things coming out. Who do you follow to stay really sharp on this stuff? It could be a variety of stuff. Who do you think is doing it right? Maybe you could just fire off some... Yeah, so so we we follow, we, we follow uh, Topo and Gong and and we you know Gartner stuff. We we follow all that stuff. Aller's great for just kind of finding out more about company stuff. So we you know I have all the subscriptions and I get the. It's funny I lie in bed in the morning. I read through all my alerts and stuff that comes in the morning. Anything I could look at. But you know our team also developed a ton of research. I mean we have as you said millions and millions of emails. So we're actually building out a whole kind of like a Gong's labs where we could talk about specifically email because you know we've analyzed hundreds of millions of emails over the last three years. And then we're trying to obviously find out, you know, what is the ideal time? And it'd be surprising that Fridays are actually not a bad time to prospect. And people think it's the worst day of the week. And, you know, sea levels, Saturdays and Sundays are not the worst days of the week to prospect. So there's different things you can see it by analyzing all this information. Yeah, I've had success making calls on Friday afternoons at four Pacific. It's kind of amazing catching people yeah. On their way to the weekend, I've had success with emails on Sundays. I've always enjoyed getting the Anthony Ian Arino update email on a Sunday. So yeah. I don't have very many others, and I kind of sit back and read it with my coffee. That's a good way yeah. to go. Talk to me about the actual models of organizations, SDRAE. I call it an industrial complex. One of the things I spoke about with Aaron Ross is 31 flavors of SDRs, XDRs. Like there could be a data analyst or someone enriching the data, looking for trigger events or job change. Are you looking at subspecialization of roles do you think that will ever hit and take flight where, where do you think that's going i think we're going back to more of a full sales like a person will be able to do inside outside sdr account executive i think we're going back that way currently in our company it's sdrs and, and aes they're very separate sdrs don't talk to clients they just book the demos and the aes do it but i think we're starting to go back to where an ae and sdr is kind of com combined into one role that's my personal opinion. And I, you know, I think with, especially with everything going on next year, I think, you know, an outside sales rep needs to learn how to be an inside sales rep. You can't be an outside and inside. I think it's going to be just a sales rep because you can't go out to a business right now like you did two years ago. So I think you have to start adapting to the new, the new, new and, uh, and be able to kind of be able to do both those functions. Yeah. Everyone's an inside sales suddenly. And then yeah. has to have that cross-disciplinary SDRAE. I've talked about the limitations of not training SDRs on AE. So I like how you have this path. It's almost like these, uh, uh, like a working internship, yeah, right? Where like the, you know, junior creative designer will then study what, you know, these executives are doing, or you spend two weeks in this role and two weeks in that role. And it's kind of like yeah. all the, all the best basketball players have played two on two and played every position on the team for 10,000 hours. Like, you know, Michael Jordan has played center. He's played guard for, he knows where every, how every position moves. So young yeah. folks starting out, like I encourage them to do discovery calls, qualification, go deep on strategic selling, down funnel motions, 
so that they have higher quality and, and better insights in the top funnel because you know you can get pigeonholed so training how do you train reps how do you take reps that are fresh out of school or haven't done this much and you know you mentioned a little bit but what's your philosophy there well first off tough interview process even during the interview process we actually have them pitch our product to us so uh, we do a full assessment they have to get on cold calls with 10 people on our team so they actually practice their cold call we go on we see how much they know with the product they do product demos so we actually have them come on and kind of Basically, in the third interview, they're testing, they're showing us how they would pitch our product to us. But we find what I find the best way to hire SDRs, I spoke about this a few hours ago, was someone that's competitive. And funny enough, I like to hire people that have worked at a bank. And people ask me, it's like, why? And here's the reason. A bank has already spent the money on training that SDR. They've already put them through the phone dialing, the telemarketing. They've put them through building out the emails. So when they come to you, They've already been on the phone for those 40, 50, 100 hours trying that out before you get to. So there's two things I look at, but the model is all like, you know, hands-on. It's, it's, a, it's a thorough process. To be honest, we don't expect anything from our SDRs until three, four months in once they've went through our training process. Okay. I think that's very humane because I do see people looking at a two-week boot camp or let's get these folks moving faster. And it takes time. So having yes. that patience, you know, you'll build... It just, it takes, repetition is the mother of skill. Another interesting thing about a bank that's similar to SDRs is sometimes having SDRs that have SDR in the title, it's like everyone in the bank is a VP. Yeah. The deal with the <laughs> people coming in to look at the accounts. So you have like this titling. And so yeah, there's also, so a big question I get is people are starting out and they're in the enterprise or mid-market. They have to, for some reason, call CMOs or VPs or director level, like higher up folks. And they're worried about getting caught flat-footed holding, you know, the equal business stature, as Sandler calls it. How do you teach folks to have the confidence to call in high, to email in high? I personally, I, I go for sink or swim. I, you got to get thrown into uncomfortable positions. That's the way you grow as a person. So what I would just say is you got to go in there and you're going to make mistakes. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, if I was, if Justin, if you were the same, I'll be like, you know, Justin, this is my first time doing it. I haven't cold called. I just started with this role. Here's my pitch. Like, just be honest with them. Say, this is, you know, you're just starting out. It's your first call you've made today, your first cold call in your new position. They would respect you more. But I, I say, you got to be put into a position where you are not comfortable. That's the only way you can grow as a person. Yeah, that's amazing feedback. How are you assessing the progression of skills like three months in, four months in? I know yeah. I'm not thinking a lot about training, but this is an area that I'm involved in and people are taking action on their own right now taking courses, downloading things, reading different books. So it's always nice to hear from a leader of how they do it. So how I judge is all, we have KPIs. We do, one thing we implemented a year ago is KPIs. And, and from there, I can see, okay, the SDR was bringing in four demos a month, six demos a month, eight demos a month, eight demos a month. Now, you know, their close rate of those demos were this. The, so the quality of those demos became higher. For example, our number one SDR for every $6 we get $6 for every dollar I pay for him. So it's a great ratio. With another one of our you know, I pay him a dollar for every 50 cents I get. So we kind of see in over time to make sure what is the ROI we're getting on that STR is the number of demos they're booking. But also again, it's not the amount of demos, the quality. Because I don't care about the quantity. I care about more of the quality. So we kind of judge different things. We have a KPI every Monday morning. It's open. We have a KPI meeting with our entire team. And if you're struggling, you're going to be held accountable because the entire SDR team will see exactly what you're at. 
Makes sense. What's most exciting for the next couple of years as far as sales or marketing technology that you're looking at or building? So I think, you know, for us, you know, we just got acquired. So the one thing we're looking at is the multi-channel. It's going to be really cool to have our clients not only able to use email, but now to use SMS, voice, uh, VoIP, voicemails, and all that other stuff. So I think it's all going towards more of that multi-channel. And I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation in sales marketing. I think a lot of these smaller companies are going to get acquired. And you're going to see a lot of bigger companies with more than one tech in their tech stack in their platform. That's fantastic. What inspires you as an entrepreneur and a technologist? See, obviously reading some of those cool books back there, but uh, that's a wide open question. But I like to yeah. know, get nuggets of people's personalities. You know what? I, so I used to play semi-professional tennis. So I've always been competitive. So yeah. even though I'm an entrepreneur, I'm one of those guys that like to always be the underdog. So when I started AutoClose, there was already seven, eight platforms out there. They did just as much as AutoClose. But my, in my head, I said, I still want to beat them. I know they're doing 10 million revenue. I'm doing zero right now. So for me, it's being competitive and, uh, and always growing. But I always have my customers come first. All of our clients come first and we build the product our customers want. But uh, I would say competitiveness and continue to grow as a person has something that keeps driving me. That's fantastic. How do people find you? on the net now and interact with you or content you have? LinkedIn is great. Add me on LinkedIn, connect with me, follow me on LinkedIn. Do you have any questions about anything I mentioned today? You can email me at sean at autoclose.com and that's autoclose with a K. But I would say email or LinkedIn are are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. Just in closing, uh, what's one piece of advice you would have given yourself 10 years ago? (laughs) One piece... I should have started AutoClose 10 years before I actually started it. <laughs> I would have been a lot younger, but that's one. And one off of business was invest in Toronto real estate 10 years before I did, because now it's way too expensive. <laughs> that's definitely sure. And Santa Barbara too. Yeah, I would say I should have gotten into sales training a lot, a lot before I did. I waited too long. Great yeah. advice. Loved having you on the show, Sean. I think the uh, SDRs listening, their leaders will love this. And let's do it again. And I'll see you in cyberspace. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Sean. Cheers.